We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show brought to you by Roman. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, it's going. Um, it could have been better, actually. Uh, you know, it's a, the <laughs> quarterfinals are here. I lost a couple uh, to uh, lower seeds, uh, who are going on to. Um, score the highest points total of the week on uh, among all teams in the quarters. So this is a little frustrating here. But, uh, you know, you there's still a bunch of teams of mine that are left out there kicking going forward, the one that got the bye. So let's hope we can bring home some chips. Uh, what about yourself? Wait, are you telling me fantasy football still going on? It didn't end last week after all uh, my teams got eliminated? Uh, no. Uh, there's the, the, the other, the, the final three weeks, like... Uh, the big combination I mean, i'm sure you're in quite a few uh, i hope one day to experience this oh <laughs> uh, yeah no it's a, it's a good time and it's uh it's had by all because week 13 just was a disaster of a week hey I, i'm glad it's over and somehow week 14 is just as bad so <laughs> we here we are limping to the end of the season just you know in uh i guess in some kind of shape in some kind of shape, yeah. Week fourteen actually, for the most part, was pretty good to me. So I'm, um, I, I really don't have much to complain about. But uh, wish I could have had a better week, week twelve and week thirteen. We'll just put it that way. Um, well, I don't know if you can tell, we don't have a guest today. We've been talking a long time without introducing anyone. That's because we are all alone. So we'll uh, be uh, uninhibited by uh, you know any any guests holding us back. So yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, first item, Emmanuel Sanders caught 7 of 9 targets for 157 yards and one touchdown in the 49ers Week 14 win over the Saints, adding a 35-yard passing touchdown. 
So this was obviously a huge rebound game for Sanders, given that he had been held to 41 scoreless yards or fewer in four straight games. But what should our expectations for Sanders in this offense be going forward? And uh, how are you approaching sort of the whole 49ers receiving core? Yeah, that's actually a good question. Uh, I mean, for a while, we saw Debo Samuel kind of really come on uh, there. And this was actually, uh, I don't know if any of you guys caught the game, but this was realistically a fin, just a fantastic game of, of the season. Um, like, I'm really excited for these two teams to square off uh, yet again. I, I really think the reason the Saints lost was uh, because this is karma for that Taysom Hill stuff from from Thanksgiving. So this is, this is what you get. Uh, I mean, this was just... I don't know, man. Like Manny played incredibly, but like Debo Samuel also got eight targets and he did fairly well. And so did George Kittle, who did fairly well. And the one big uh, interesting thing to me that really stands out here is uh, first off, Manny Sanders, just 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 a phenom. And he was ridiculously efficient. I'm sure like his like his uh, fantasy points over expectation are probably up there for the week. Uh, He might be, you know, one of the highest guys there. But Raheem Mustert seems to have really announced himself as a, as a real thing here. Um, how are you playing this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Mostert obviously had the big game. He only had 12 opportunities, though, total. So it's not like he was getting a huge workload, uh, although that was the biggest of any uh, San Francisco running back. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess until further notice, he's kind of the guy... In this backfield, I, I don't, I would not feel confident starting him in a playoff matchup. I don't think, but I wouldn't feel confident starting Brita or Coleman either. So I, this is to me almost like you have to avoid. I mean, I think probably one of these guys is always going to have a big game or you know rip off a, a long touchdown. Um, that seems to always happen with a San Francisco running back. So somebody's going to be scoring points, but it's just. Maybe impossible to tell who. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Is Mostert for real? Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that he kind of is, uh, if only because they seem to be using him fairly intelligently. He's not really getting a lot of touches here or a lot of like, carries, right? Like he's kind of uh, getting a handful of like the, the targets. He's just making a lot work with his rushing potential. I think like some of it has to be like credited to Kyle Shanahan and his scheme, right? Like he seems to always get this out of his like. Uh, running backs is just a bit of a bummer. Devin Coleman seems to have just become a non-factor here. Like he used to be so explosive, and like now we're like two years removed, and just that that memory of that like Devin Coleman is gone, right? Like, what can you say about that? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's right about about Shanahan. He's just it's a frustrating situation if you've been a Coleman fan for a while or a Breida fan for a while because these are a couple guys who uh, I think are probably actually really talented. And then most are kind of comes out of nowhere and um, is actually playing better than them. So I don't know how much credit to, I want to give to Shanahan. I mean, you know, it's kind of, we've seen this happening the whole season. So there is maybe something there, but it's really hard to tease out how much is related to, running back talent how much is related to some other team factors and you know who knows what's going on with coleman i wonder if he might be secretly hurt or something 
I think he kind of is because he did suffer that high ankle sprain at the start of the season, if you remember. Yeah, Yeah. so and it's difficult to really play through one of those. And I don't know if he picked up more injuries along the way because he just hasn't looked right. Uh, I don't know. And and again, like as far as it goes, there's like my my bigger question to you is with a guy like Mostert, like if you were, you know, if you picked him up and you own him in Dynasty, you're not getting anything back for him and make a trade, right? You're just going to hold here. Um. Yeah, at this point, definitely. I don't think that anyone is ready to give up anything too valuable for Mostert, unless, I, I mean, maybe you trade him to a to a contender who's weak at running back for, I don't know, a second at best. I, there's no way that that's gonna. I mean, well, if you somehow still have trades going on, I really oh, don't well, see right. that that happening. Like, uh, we're past the trade deadline. I mean, like, I tried to actually move Manny Sanders and Marvin Jones around the trade deadline. And to contenders, and no one was interested. Fine, Marvin Jones and like Manny, they're not. It's not like I was asking for a lot either. Uh, I was asking for really like twenty twenty third round picks, and they're like, nah, I don't really need them. Um, <laughs> which oh, that's fine. It's, it's your prerogative. It's not. It's you know, I'm not going to try and like really make this work. Like I, I'm trying to already gift you this player who I have zero use for. Someone who's eliminated, but um, uh, I haven't checked. But I'm really hoping that they're losing. They're like game this week because uh like they don't have a, a, any good wide receivers which would be uh, poetry in my book yeah like the idea that you can't even trade for like a like a, you know a declining veteran like sanders for like a future third round pick who is it's very rare that you're gonna actually hit on them uh it, you know it's um i don't know a bit of a wash for me but whatever just goes to show don't own players like sanders in dynasty yeah, uh, that's really more so on me. Like he was just, he just kept falling and falling and falling. And again, I'm totally fine with him, with absolutely zero value coming back. And like, I'm I'm totally fine eating the L if I couldn't since I couldn't move him. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to you know trade him for any better than that. Like when the when the uh when we get back into it for the uh the off season when trades are open, but um with the kind of hype this like upcoming rookie class has received, it would not shock me that um, you're going to have to really, really overpay to pry away any of these rookie picks. So good luck. Drew Locke completed 22 of 27 passes for 309 yards, three TDs and an interception in Denver's week 14 win over the Texans. Uh, Locke now joins John Elway and Tim Tebow as the only rookie quarterbacks uh, for Denver to throw for at least 300 yards in a game. Uh, the Denver aerial offense seems rejuvenated with Locke under center. And what, you know, what's your outlook for Locke for the rest of the season? Uh, and then also, more specifically, in Superflex Dynasty Leagues? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, let's take them separately, I guess. The outlook for Locke, I'm pretty optimistic about, uh, about Locke going forward. I think um, what he's shown he can do in just this small sample, I think is pretty encouraging. So I would look for him to continue, uh, maybe not necessarily on this pace, but I think he can probably finish out the season strong. Um, so yeah, in super flex dynasty leagues, um, I really have no idea what, what it would take to acquire him at this point, but I would want to be trying if you, if you're in a dynasty league that will still allow trades, I think, uh, well, you have to give still, up a first. You think so? 
Easily, yeah. Like uh, one of the things that I've really learned in a lot of my Superflex Dynasty leagues this offseason is people are quarterback crazy. Uh, they just don't <laughs> care. Uh, everyone is at worth. Like if you if you're a starter in the NFL, you are worth a first apparently. Um, so that's what you have to pay uh, to get someone. So, yeah. now, uh, I mean, that's a good point because I mean, if I'm thinking if I own Lock after having these two games, like there's a chance he ends up being the you know the starter for a long time and uh that is you know somebody who is an nfl starting quarterback is is uh you know something worth having in the super flex dynasty league so i can definitely see you know if i owned him not being willing to give him up after these two games for just anything that came along so yeah i think you're probably right yeah it's it's interesting right like um super flex the entire economy is kind of interesting to me like just the way well it's interesting and it's also very frustrating when you're on the side that I'm on, which is where most of your quarterbacks uh, are hurt, but your opponents have rostered the backups. Mm-hmm. And so you're left kind of scrambling to just not have a quarterback. And, uh, you know, then you offer to overpay for a young rookie stud. No one's willing to trade those either. So it's just a stagnant market, at least from my personal experiences. If you guys have better experiences, congrats. Um, what's really interesting to me for from like, this game, at least what really stood out to me, was uh Cortland Sutton was fairly inefficient it seems like um that led <laughs> to Noah Fant just uh exploding and I wonder I didn't watch the game but I think this might have been a, a Houston deciding to zero in on on Sutton and try and take him away because Tim Patrick and even Deshaun Hamilton that's the guy who just hasn't existed this off this season has uh, you know put put up a better stat line from a raw yardage perspective, but Noah Fant just went absolutely nuts. He got four of his four targets for 113 yards and a touchdown. And, uh, man, he, it seems like, you know, Fant's like, like they've, he's seen like the target share of like a wide receiver too, after they got, you know, they, they traded away Manny Sanders. So I, I'm curious to hear what are your thoughts on, on Noah Fant, where do you think he's going to be drafted next year? Uh, in startups and uh, in basketball, like is he does he fit the profile of that uh, breakout year two tight end that like a Mark Andrews would or or George Kittle did or any of that stuff? He definitely does fit that that sort of prototype. I think so. Uh, he's someone I would really be looking to acquire aggressively in in startups and in best ball next year. I mean, in terms of cost, I I would think that he he'd probably end up going a little bit earlier than we saw Mark Andrews go this year don't you think just because partly because of the success that mark andrews has had in his year two jump but also i think fans rookie year is even more impressive in a lot of ways um so yeah that's kind of where i would expect to see him a little bit earlier than than where mark andrews was and i think at that cost you know when you're talking about the potential for him to break into sort of the elite tier of tight ends which i think is definitely a possibility um it's probably worth probably worth paying that's interesting because uh, i think <laughs> mark andrews's adp was pretty depressed for most of the offseason um it kind of got mm. up there but then it like slid back down during training camp uh and now it's you know it seems that he's like playing through a bunch of injuries um and then also george kittle was another guy who people were sleeping on a lot like during his like massive breakout um and then they overdrafted him this year Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the, so, you know, so that's a fine question, right? Like, is is are people going to be overdrafting tight ends, like, um, 
some of these guys are going into year three next year to where they'll be, you know, one or two tight ends full early. And then they're just going to skip over the, you know, Fant and um, Hawkinson. Well, maybe Hawkinson might actually go a little bit higher because there's that narrative about him, although he um, plays in a, on a slightly more crowded depth chart. I guess some of that comes out of how the draft will shake out for Denver, right? Like yeah. if they add another wide receiver, then uh, I don't know. Um, there was another good, good, interesting development actually from from this game, and it actually I- included uh, Left for Dead uh, Royce Freeman. Yeah, and uh, that development is that he had eight carries for twenty four yards, no no TDs, but he did have two targets. He caught both of them, one of them for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean they only targeted. They, so Freeman saw two targets. Lindsay saw two targets. They were both fairly short yardage, um, so not a lot of uh, yak there. But Devonte Booker also saw two targets, and he was more, more efficient as a receiver. So uh, does this give you any hope that they're like that? Locke is okay with targeting his running backs, or or what do you think is going on here? Um, a little bit. I mean, six total running back targets is. Kind of nice to see. I'm, you know, but it's not really a useful amount for, not a useful fantasy day for any of these guys. I'm, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely happy to see Freeman get more involved and hopefully, uh, sort of the touchdown will give him a little more, um, you know, make him a more attractive target in the passing game. Cause I think that the whole season, he's, that's kind of been the, the area where he's excelled. I mean, especially relative to Lindsay, who's actually been slightly inefficient as a receiver this season. So um, definitely encouraging to see Freeman get more involved in the passing game. And I'm hoping to see uh, a lot more of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's your outlook on Freeman after this season? We've kind of he's kind of been up and down and lately a lot more down until this game. So, I mean, I mean, what, what's kind of your dynasty outlook for him? I mean, this is still pretty down. Like he, he <laughs> well, had right. like he had like really uh, thirty-two total scrimmage yards. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I have any interest in acquiring him because the people who own him are are you know they basically believe that he is going to be very good. I think he'll have some kind of dead cat bounce, like residual value, like if Denver just doesn't draft a running back. But um, I think it kind of speaks to, well, and, and I mean, you know, just sort of how talented Lindsay is. Again, if they don't do that, you do want Freeman. I don't know what price you'd be willing to part with him for. Uh, I mean, I mean, people are out here trading trading Rashad Penny like for all for close to a hundred uh, percent of his initial value because he had like a couple of good games. Mm. Um, so, so you know, people are still truly believing that these guys are are are, are good or. Or they're gonna, you know, they're still not expendable. Like as if we didn't just see guys with absolutely no draft capital in, in Chris Carson and Philip Lindsay run, you know, circles around the guys who were actually drafted way earlier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so again, I think some of this just comes down to how the Denver Broncos' backfield looks like. I mean, you want Royce Freeman. I don't know what his price will be or where it will be next year. I mean, I'll be in if it's late, like tenth round or later. Like I'd have to see what my construction looks like. But yeah, I'd be in on Royce at that price. Um, it, it depends on what they do with Devonta Booker as well um, going forward. Like, And then, like I said, like how they approach running back in the draft. They're not going to draft one highly, I don't think. But like if they draft a, you know, one or two in the dying round and then they sign a couple, uh, I don't know. That's, that's where it gets interesting. 
to me, I, I do think that the team is interested in Lindsay. So it'll be interesting to see if they just decide to roll as this with these two guys with their primary tandem next year. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves uh, saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work. Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. I played Jameis on Crowder and Cash Games on DK. But with uh, Roman, it is easy to talk about. You talk to a real doctor who can prescribe you with real medication. It's simple, it's safe, it's totally discreet. Uh, with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if the medication is to, deemed to be appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's roman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Now let's get into no shit shit now. All right, first item, Terry McLaurin caught four or seven targets for 57 yards and a touchdown in week 15 against the Packers. Yeah, I'm going to go with no shit. Look, we know he's pretty talented. Like, he, he lit the world on fire, and he kind of disappeared. There seems to be a bit of a an issue there in the quarterbacking room uh, with... Uh, over in Washington, and again, it's really not. I mean, maybe some of his Haskins, maybe some of his the offense. I don't know, but this has got all the smell of it of a dead team walking, right? So it's it's, it's interesting to see um, McLaurin kind of get the work. I mean, he's he saw seven targets today. That's only one fewer than Chris Thompson, who saw um, who got seven of those for forty three yards. And uh, another guy who was getting some love uh, in uh, off late was Kevin Harmon. Uh, he was, you know, kind of inefficient here, but he saw four targets and he caught one. You know, like, I don't know. I, I think if people are trying to buy Terry McLaurin low, um, that's kind of a fairy tale, right? Like, what would you have to give to get Terry McLaurin? It'd have to be a first, right? Uh, at this point, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I unfortunately was not, you know, like a big fan of him, of his when... Uh, he was as a prospect, so I own him in, in no dynasty teams. And um, yeah, few of my teams are that wide receiver needy. But if I w- did have one that, and you know, I was looking to acquire some some uh, breakout guys, McLaurin is definitely someone I would try to get, and I would possibly be willing to give up a late first for him. So yeah, McLaurin's prospect profile. It's good, it's a good thing you bring that up because that's one where the analytics guys are just we're just going to miss um it's kind of similar to the michael thomas prospect profile right like he's old like the lack of production um there's a lot more work to go on over there that really requires the kind of lift needed um and i heard you know uh, just to figure out whether or not they're worth our time and ohio state guys in general are pretty difficult because most of them seem to stay kind of late Mm-hmm. They don't typically declare early. Their production's kind of muted re- re- relative to what we want to really look at. So I think that there's probably a different way for us to really approach draft eval for these guys. Um, uh, but you know, from an from an analy- analytics perspective, we are going to miss them. But like the one that uh, I didn't see or hear most of the tape guys who I listen to or follow talk much about him, so I didn't think much of it until like he was drafted early uh by washington and he made it on a couple of my ffpc best ball rosters because they're so deep but outside of that i don't own him anywhere yeah yeah i mean he was fast which is the one kind of thing you want to see for a small wide receiver especially one who's not very productive but there's just so many cases of 
fast guys without production getting overdrafted and being busts in the NFL. I mean, I guess third round or wherever Washington took him isn't isn't too bad for that. But yeah, he he had the definitely the profile more of a bust. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm now trying to uh, trying to play catch up. Ryan Tannehill completed 21 of 27 passes for 391 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception in the Titans' Week 14 win over the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, I guess, no shit, it is the Raiders, right? But Tannehill has kind of been doing this for uh, a while now. Um, I don't even know what to make of this. I mean, I don't think Tannehill is like some, some amazing quarterback talent, so... Uh, part of it is the Raiders. Um, you're someone who was a, a Mariota truther long after it was cool. What do you make of Tannehill's performance? Yeah, tough, tough. Just how bad was he, I guess, is my question here. <laughs> like, this is, like, ridiculous, right? Like, uh, like I'm seeing people who are coming out who used to be like, Tram Tannehill truthers who are trying to take a victory lap on this, and it's like, no, 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 you don't get to do this now. Like three years after or four years after he was like deemed to be just not good. Right. Um, I mean, he's not he's playing fairly efficiently despite the lack of volume. Like this is ridiculous. Like he does not like he's putting up these ridiculous ceiling games on almost no passing. And uh, I like Derrick Henry is still smashing. And that's also very impressive to me, if only because, again, like. He doesn't get all that much work in the passing game, but like Henry is a guy who just, when he gets to that second level, is just gone. Like, good luck, see you never. <laughs> um, it's 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 impressive, particularly because uh, particularly because this is a t- team that hasn't been really forced to throw a lot, and they're currently, I believe, in the catbird seat. I don't know if I use that term right, but I wanted to use it because <laughs> it's a fun thing to say. Uh, for um, the for locking up the division, it looks like it's yeah they died with Houston right now for the division. Houston has just lost a bunch of games. Like both teams are eight and five, and um, one of the teams has a point differential that indicates or uh, suggests that they're gonna beat the pants off the other one. And uh, let me tell you, it's not the team that has Deshaun Watson under center. So this is like. It's kind of exciting here because both teams play each other twice uh, down the line. So that there's going to be massive playoff implications here for both teams, um, especially for next week's game. Um, I know I went on a bit of a tangent there, but like this Ryan Tannehill performance has been kind of exciting to watch, if only because uh, I have a bunch of A.J. Brown on my dynasty squads. Uh, I played him uh, in one today and I, a couple, and I have him in a, one of these uh deeper best ball dynasty roster so um i'm excited and heartened by aj brown's progression uh, do you think they sign ryan Tannehill on a contract for a franchise contract next year like one year deal i mean if he keeps playing like this kind of kind of uh forces their hand right you can't you, you know you can't play this efficiently 391 yards and three touchdowns and and lead your team to wins uh and uh you know <laughs> not at least get get your team to think about a contract i mean i think probably that's the 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 thing that is likely to mean the most for his staying powers the fact that as you said the titans are winning and now on the verge of winning the division so that's something i think not many people expected uh going into the season and even in the 
in the beginning of the season. So, so yeah, I'd expect him to be around next year. Is Mariota just done? He's out of the league, or he's like uh, the new RG three or something? I have no idea what happens with Marcus Mariota, but um, I'd be interested to see where he lands in free agency. Uh, because I do think he will get a job as a backup, and as like this year has shown, um, <laughs> there's you know plenty of turnover at the QB position. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really brutal year compared to most years, but again, there's there's an, if he lands on a team that has a soft um, starting quarterback issue, maybe he takes over or something. But I'm really not keeping hope alive for that. He's probably just toast. He's probably just not good. And um, that's that's just how it rolls, I guess. Uh, sucks, but that's how it goes. Justin Watson caught five of eight targets for 59 yards and a touchdown in the Buccaneers' Week 14 win over the Colts. Yeah, I guess this is no shit because we thought he was like a strong prospect and we thought he was pretty good. Uh, it's probably going to be a bit of a shit no from a long-term perspective and just that Mike Evans had to leave early with like that uh, injury to his hammy. Um, and that's, uh, you know, a bit of a brutal L to take there. So I don't know. I mean, it's exciting to see him make plays. He's probably going to keep making them. Uh, was Scotty Miller placed on IR? That I don't know. I have to check, um, because that would be interesting. Uh, if only because Scotty Miller was also kind of coming on. Right. Yeah. That I don't know. I mean, uh, I love seeing Justin Watson get, get this work and look pretty good with it. Um, I mean, Brashad Perriman had a decent game as well with 70 yards and a touchdown. So, um, you know, he was a first-round pick, someone who was taking a long time to to kind of find his place in the league. And still, we're not quite sure. But, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that for both these guys, Watson and Perriman, uh, this is maybe just a one-week thing. Uh, I mean, assuming Evans isn't out for an extended period of time. Well, yeah, but then also O.J. Howard had a good day. He got four of his five targets for 73 yards, right? And that's what's going to happen when your QB passes the ball 45 times. Yeah. This was a high-powered shootout. It was actually kind of exciting to see, and especially the come-from-behind victory here for, like, Tampa Bay was pretty good. Um, So Scotty Miller uh, has a hamstring injury, and he was out, but he's not on IR. Uh, Here's a fun one. Uh, Dari Ogunbowale continues to run as the... uh, Receiving back, he caught five of his targets for 48 yards. He was also responsible for like a fumble uh, that gave the, the, the Colts the ball back. And I think they scored a TD on it. Uh, on the bright side, Rojo saw five targets as well. My my bigger question to you is why with Dario Gunbawale, like he, you know, clearly didn't get benched. Like, <laughs> what is what is Arians' problem? Uh, I mean... <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I guess Agumbawale doesn't miss blitz pickups, and who knows? That's a lie because I saw him miss one like <laughs> way back, like in one of the early weeks. So it's just like, what's going on? Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's you know you like to see kind of uh, not exactly a big game from Ronald Jones, but at least a game where he's more involved, sort of the most involved running back. But I mean. I don't think this is what we had in mind when we were expecting a Ronald Jones breakout this year. DeAndre Washington rushed 14 times for 53 yards and a touchdown in the Raiders' week 14 loss to the Titans. He also caught six. Uh, he added six for 43 as a receiver. Yeah, so to me this is a shit no because 
uh, obviously those most of those targets should have gone to Jalen Richard uh, with Josh Jacobs out. I mean, yeah, it's weird. They haven't been they haven't targeted running backs all that much when Jacobs is in the game, and as soon as he misses, instead of giving you know targeting Richard a bunch, they give him to DeAndre Washington, which is frustrating for all my all my Jalen Richard best ball shares. But yeah, I mean. Washington looked decent. We knew he would probably get an increase in opportunity, maybe not quite to this level with Jacobs out, but uh, yeah, I guess as long as Jacobs is missing time, Washington appears to be the guy. Yeah, I man, I, I, I don't know. It's a bit of a bummer, right, for like Jalen Richard. I wonder how much of this is because of his anti-vaccination stance. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Traquan Smith caught two of four targets for 29 yards and one touchdown in the Saints Week 14 loss to the 49ers. Yeah, shit, no, man. Who cares? This guy is not happening. <laughs> like, what? He saw he saw like four targets. He's behind Ted Ginn Jr. on on the on the receiving on the receiving um, totem pole, and like realistically, Jared Cook was in line for a very big day until he got hurt. Oh man, this is depressing to hear, but. I mean, yeah. I guess you're kind of right. I mean, Traquan has was hurt a lot of the year, so maybe he's still dealing with something. But he definitely has not been not been as involved as uh, I thought he would be this season, or hoped he would be. Yeah, so, no, yeah, I don't know. It's I really can't see much hope. Like, like for him, like does he? He he doesn't really fit the profile of a year three breakout, does he? Well. Yeah, that's tricky. Um, I can't remember actually where he was drafted, but I think it was probably, uh, probably. Well, I mean, year three is kind of a crossover year where you see some some early early drafted guys kind of coming on late, having success, but then you also start to see the the later round guys who have been able to stick around sort of pick up uh pick up steam. So. Um, I definitely don't think a year three breakout is out of the question for Traquan. I mean, that's kind of, he, it's kind of following in, uh, Chris Godwin's, uh, mold in that sense. Although Godwin had a much better second year than, than Traquan is having right now. So, um, he's kind of disadvantaged from that perspective, but I don't think a year three breakout is impossible. Um, but yeah, if, if it doesn't happen in year three, I mean, definitely year three breakouts are a lot less less likely than year two. And if it doesn't happen in year three, then you definitely want to be uh, <laughs> getting him off your team if he is still on them. Alexander Madison chipped in with 46 yards and 14 carries while also pull, pulling in two catches for 18 yards and two targets Sunday in the Vikings' week 14 win over the Lions. Yeah, this is a no shit. I mean, Madison is good one of the best handcuffs definitely in the league and in a game that the vikings won pretty easily over the lions i think it makes sense that they give him a little uh a little extra run even with cook also having a pretty good game so um i think this is really encouraging and if you uh you know we saw last week that when when cook goes down madison gets pretty much you know all of the running back work so i think um He's somebody worth worth holding during your playoff run just in case, and he's 
definitely uh, somebody to probably draft uh, fairly highly next year. Patrick Laird rushed 15 times for 48 yards in the Dolphins' Week 14 loss to the Jets, adding four receptions for 38 additional yards. No shit. I mean, after that interview on the Dick cast with uh, Davis Maddock and Peter Overzet, like, did you think he was going to do anything else? <laughs> well, I thought he was going to score a touchdown and do a cake-eating celebration, but, you know, we'll have to wait one week for that, I guess. Yeah, we'll wait for him to do it against the Dol- uh, against the Patriots while Peter's yeah, there in his... Exactly. In his uh... <laughs> Patrick Laird jersey at a Patriots game. Yeah. Uh here's a question. Um Curtis Patrick just had an article on Rotoviz come out kind of looking at uh playing waivers at the end of uh the season in Dynasty and he was focusing on these two guys, Laird and Miles Gaskin, both the uh, Dolphins running backs and sort of making the case that even though Laird is the one who's getting more of the touches right now and is sort of the hot commodity at the moment gaskin actually has a much more attractive profile um i'm wondering if what your thoughts are on how you would sort of uh rate these guys in terms of dynasty pickups you know late season dynasty ads uh end of end of roster guys to stash i mean wasn't that the case like before the patrick laird stuff like the like everybody at road of his was on miles gaskin and you were the only one on patrick laird <laughs> and mm-hmm. Like, 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 haven't we been given signals from the team here that they think Patrick Laird is superior to Miles Gaskin? So, yeah. like, that's like, that's like my only counter here is that like we started the season and most of the season with with uh, with Miles Gaskin over Patrick Laird on the death chart as the assumption, and it turns out it's not the way the team sees it. And I, I don't know. I just wanted to put that back in your court. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm obviously biased on this. But, um, I mean, I think it's probably not insignificant that Laird plays on special teams already and Gaskin really doesn't. So that gives him a lot more, uh, sort of a lot more value to the team just in general. But I mean, Gaskin definitely has the profile, you know, he, he was an impressive, uh, college producer as well Four thousand yeah. yard seasons at Washington. He was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that both these guys that I liked ended up on the Dolphins because really it's going to be hard for them both to emerge in that way. They both look a little bit like Philip Lindsay in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit torn, you know, and but yeah, there's my guy, backfield dominator, uh, leader in this class, so I mean, yeah, and obviously the Dolphins are showing that they sort of trust him a little bit more to handle the handle the work at this point. So, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Maybe Gaskin is the sort of player who can get a little bit, uh, you know, if he gets a little bit more time in the offense or something, we can see him have sort of a breakout next season, or maybe uh, he'll get worked more into the offense as the season goes along with only uh, really these two running backs um on the team or i guess they signed zach zenner didn't they uh yeah so yeah it'll be interesting but yeah i'm definitely a layered guy obviously so but yeah i just wanted to hear hear your take on that 
No, again, it's a bit of a bummer to like really bit these two because when you hear Patrick there talk on the take cast, he mentions how they're like good friends. But I'm going back to some of my rookie drafts from like earlier this offseason, and Miles Gaskin was drafted in them. Whether he was drafted and dropped is is irrelevant because like like again, everyone knew that he's a has a phenomenal prospect profile. All all we've seen here is the team telling us that they don't think that. Gaskin has the same kind of skill set as they want out of Laird. And that can be seen from the touch distribution. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, he, Laird carried the ball uh, 15 times today for 48 yards. And he had, um, you know, five targets. And he caught four of those for 38 yards, which, again, is like phenomenal. Um, uh, for, like, a guy who he was really not on anyone's radars for the longest of times uh, until, until, like, the... the um, uh, you know, Pete's massive push. I, I mean, when you when you go back to the signal that we've been giving here from the team, it's just they prefer Laird, and and it's very difficult to go back to like the prospect profile stuff because again, this is someone who was drafted, especially in deeper dynasty leagues. So if you dropped him, uh, and now you're going to run to p- go back and pick him up, sure. Uh, you know, again, like the, the running back position is fairly fragile, but I really can't see, you know. A situation where they're both on waivers that you're going to be taking Gaskin over Laird at any point. Like if you're like at this point, like if they're on waivers, like I would much rather just try and get Laird because he's getting <laughs> like the backfield belongs to him right now for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, like at and, some point, you gotta you got to um, let new information sort of count for more than your priors. Yeah, like I think this is just one of those situations, and again. Gaskin has all that stuff going for him and he makes for a fine stash. But if you're playing in a league where your roster depth is to where both of these guys are on waivers, neither of them are going to make it past the offseason for you because you're just going to be turning them away and they'll be on waivers again next time. So you need to get the guy who's giving the points now. Paris Campbell got three of five targets for 12 yards and the Colts is week 14 loss to the Buccaneers. Uh, this is a shit no. I mean, you're playing the Buccaneers. There's no T.Y. Hilton. Um, three for five targets for twelve yards. I mean, come on, Paris Campbell, be better. <laughs> yeah, this was the Marcus Johnson game and Zach Pascal. <laughs> uh, you know, we were just talking a little bit about like updating our priors. Is that something to do over here? Like, w- how are we going forward with this? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I was I was a lot lower on Paris Campbell coming out than a lot of other people uh, in the industry were, and even other people at Rotoviz. So, um. I don't think this, I mean, this doesn't really change my outlook on him. I wasn't necessarily expecting big things in his rookie year. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's weird to see Marcus Johnson kind of getting so much work when they just spend so much draft capital on Paris Campbell. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to know what to make of it. I mean, what... What what was your take on Campbell as a prospect? I don't quite remember. Possibly a bigger, faster Curtis Samuel, which at this point probably is just not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you're not a Curtis Samuel fan either, so uh, I am good. actually a Curtis <laughs> Samuel fan. Is just is just so much that um, the off season has did an absolute number on my brain. Like like um, it's very difficult to say whose fault it is. It's, it might just be mine at this point, but like I just. I, I don't know if I can like take the fallacious like um, where you're comparing, you know, two similar-ish but not really players, and then you're trying to find a reason to 
compare the two and like the only way to do it is by denigrating the other i i don't know i mean mm-hmm. like i had a handful of like conversations about curtis samuel versus dj Moore, and like the argument was always well they should be drafted closer together and like when you're not you know like and it's like well mm, that sounds not like a wise idea yeah. uh i think i think that the the gap exists and for a reason and it's you know back in the preseason it's not like Cam is able to sustain really. I know that that was your bold take, which what made it bold. But really, you wanted the primary in this in this um, uh, receiver core, and because right. when you account for like how much Christian McCaffrey was going to take, yeah, it, it mean, doesn't leave a lot. Yeah, I mean, I thought Curtis Samuel should have been drafted higher all off season, but I also thought DJ Moore should have been drafted higher all off season. So not necessarily that the the gap should be closer, but just that they were both being undervalued. Right. Yeah. And that's a different discussion to have over yeah. here. So, so again, this is not me necessarily denigrating like Curtis Samuel as a prospect. He's been pretty good. It's just relative to what he was being doubted as sure. is different. And it's also weird yeah. to see Gamble not get, I don't know, like the lack of creativity on, 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 from like the closest side. Like I thought that they'd be using him slightly more creatively, right? Like you think that they'd be using him more than like rushing attempts and jet sweeps and a handful of other items. But I, I can't tell if it's like because his like season has been injury marred or 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 what. Like maybe he's still adjusting to the NFL. So I think that there's still hope here for Campbell. Um but it's always you know kind of difficult. I mean he's only had like the four rushing attempts. It looks yeah. like all season. Yeah, no if I mean if if they're gonna be using him as like as like a a traditional-ish wide receiver. I guess I kind of got no real interest in, in in him next season. If his ADP is like pretty aggressive in best ball, like, and I've got really no interest in trading for him in in, in dynasty. I don't think. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think uh, this is a situation where you know if you're still holding on to Ty Hilton in dynasty, you want to try to get out as fast as you can, and. Uh, that means probably somebody in this receiver core, unless they draft someone this year, is going to be taking a step forward next season. I mean, right now, maybe that looks like Zach Pascal, but it could be Campbell too. So uh, he's a little intriguing from that perspective, only because um, I'm, I'm thinking that it's about, about that time when Hilton is going to be replaced as the wide receiver one in this offense. Well, speaking of Curtis Samuel and the Panthers, Ian Thomas caught five of ten targets for fifty-seven yards and one touchdown in the Panthers' Week Fourteen loss to the Falcons. Yeah, no shit. I mean, this is a guy who got fed like, uh, and he did fairly well when Greg Olson was out around this time last year, and he's, you know, setting up to to do that uh, yet again. And uh, it looks like he was uh, fed targets at the expense of uh, one like curtis samuel here so um i just want to double check to make sure that i'm that i'm right when i say that but yeah it looks like he had 10 targets and curtis samuel had four so you know look uh, i i think ian thomas is a pretty good get and i think that that is something to look for like uh, i know that he's someone who is probably on but not really on waivers anymore but like he like I think he's going to be someone that we should be considering next year in best ball, if only because there should be no more Olsen, right? Like, where would you draft him, out of curiosity there? Yeah, I like Thomas. I mean, if you're talking about Dynasty, I think early double-digit rounds, definitely I would consider him there, maybe even possibly earlier. You know, I was 
maybe that's a little too aggressive, but I was I was taking a lot of Thomas this year and even last year kind of expecting Greg Olson to be uh to be going away and he he didn't really until now, but I mean you definitely love to see this sort of line if you are an Ian Thomas owner. So um I'm bullish on Thomas going forward for sure. Nice. Uh, speaking of other <laughs> breakout potential tight ends, Hayden Hurst got three of three targets for 71 yards and a touchdown in the Ravens' Week 14 win over the Bills. Yeah, yeah. Mark Andrews left this game pretty early on um, with some sort of leg injury. I can't exactly remember what. Uh, and it was, you know, Hurst had these 71 yards. Uh, I think Nick Boyle also caught a touchdown. So. Yeah, if you're a Ravens tight end, it's, you know, a good time to, you know, good time of the year for you. But um, I don't think that we can rely on this sort of production from Hurst unless it turns out Mark Andrews is going to miss a few games. But, uh, yeah, definitely definitely an, an encouraging performance. I know Hurst is someone that you were kind of encouraging us to get at the end of our of our fbg team and uh we i don't think he ever he might have made it onto our team for a couple weeks but i don't know if he ever started any games for us but yeah are you are you liking hurst's out hurst's outlook um in dynasty in this offense or do you think it's going to end up it's going to still be the mark andrews show going forward Probably the Mark Andrews show going forward. I mean, I think that this whole thing only came about because, you know, they're, like Mark Andrews seems to be hobbled. Like, I've got really no interest in, like, drafting Hurst all that much. Like, he's probably someone who it's fine to get, a, I guess, a sprinkle of later in, in, in drafts at some point. I, I The price has to be right, though. But, um, yeah, not really interested in him if only because, his tar- like, you know, his targets come by, like, fairly late. I mean... And speaking of, uh, you know, our, our FPG team, Nick O'Leary went off <laughs> for 30 <laughs> yards. Of course. And of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. Uh, but that's just, I mean, I guess that's just fun. But um, I don't know, man. I, as far as Hayden Hurst goes, like, it's a bit of a bummer because, um, uh, you know, just how much, how much draft capital this spent. And again, it just shows you that the um, how inefficient uh, the draft really is, like, or how difficult the draft is. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. I mean, uh, I mean, I think you're right that Hurst is still someone to keep an eye on and probably to get at the end of drafts. I mean, if only because you know he's shown today and in other games that he is can be pretty efficient and can be a quality target and you know actually do stuff. And we know tight end is a pretty fragile position, so uh, he's someone who's going to probably be relevant some weeks uh, for the foreseeable future. But yeah, definitely, definitely uh, doesn't look like the best pick at this point, even if that was maybe the Ravens' best draft in a long time. Devontae Freeman rushed 17 times for 84 yards and one touchdown in the Falcons' Week 14 win over the Panthers. Yeah, this is going to be a shit no for me. I mean, like, Freeman's been fine or whatever, but like this is a Panthers' rush defense that was smashed last week by Darius Geis, and... Uh, the Rotoviz transfer schedule tool had them as the uh, like the softest matchup for running backs. So it's why I was really into Devontae Freeman. What's really interesting is um, I got to double check how many targets he got. But uh, my, my question to you is, do you think they started throwing to him more? 
uh, because of that Calvin Calvin Ridley injury, or like maybe it's because they were up so big. But also, you know, Brian Hill did fairly well. He had nine carries for 62 yards and a TD. Um, so I guess my question to you really is, like, do you think that this is like a resurgent Devonta Freeman, or just they're just more like whatever we were blowing them out? So like, let's put in like the backups. Um, I think it's more the latter. I think it's more facing Carolina and being able to to move the ball on the ground against them, and uh, you know, being uh, being ahead by or winning by twenty points and getting Brian Hill involved. Uh, yeah, I mean, we also saw a touchdown from something called an Olamide Zacchaeus. So I don't know what that is, but he scored a touchdown. So it's kind of. That's the kind of game it was. At least it's not that other guy who I can't remember whose name is who is getting work on Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's right. They have so many guys who who come out of nowhere, have a good game. It was Russell Gage for a while. Now he's apparently... It's Christian Blake. Into... That's his That's name. That's right, Christian Blake. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just dudes, man. They just got these like... So Dudes next who week, I... whoever is the other guy that we haven't yet heard of on Atlanta, he'll have 100 yards and a touchdown. And then uh, maybe someday it'll be the Calvin Ridley show again. Hey, Brandon Bowell is here. Maybe. Maybe him. Hey. Maybe him. Maybe. David Johnson rushed three times for 19 yards and caught both of his targets for 34 yards and receiving touchdown in Arizona's week 14 loss to the Steelers. Uh, Yeah. I don't even really want to talk about this game, but let me turn it back around to you. What would you accept in Dynasty uh, to trade away David Johnson? Uh, tough question. I don't know. Uh, um, I'd need... Uh, I don't know, man. Call me a donk or whatever, but like his upside is so, so tantalizing. And uh, if he's, I mean, clearly he's playing hurt, like, or at least that's my my opinion or like my perception. So I really let the market probably dictate that price. Like if his ADP next year is still in like the top, I don't know, 36, I would assume that I would need like an early first plus to get him. For like for like ADP redraft, like just because like that would show, especially if they don't like resign, resign Kenyon Drake because like DJ's best uh, skill is receiving, and it's just difficult to find guys with his kind of like skill set and size speed combo. Yeah. That yeah. said, he's a guy I'm just gonna hold until his value completely declines to zero because <laughs> again, running backs, I really don't care. Like I re- I rarely overdraft these guys, and I can make it work somehow. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what it would be possible to get if you were trying to shop him at this point. But I'm kind of looking at him as uh, he, uh, you know, a running back who hasn't been good <clears throat> in three years now. He's been hurt a lot, which we know from some research is actually not necessarily a good signal in terms of um, bounce back probability, at least at wide receiver. But it's probably pretty similar at running back too. Uh, and he's kind of older than you would think given when he when he came into the league so um yeah a running back who's uh older than his peers who's been hurt a lot who hasn't had a really efficient season i mean it sounds like somebody that i want to try to get off my team and get something for if i can and i mean if i can get a first uh in the 2020 class which looks to be a really strong running back class then that's pretty attractive to me, even if the first is pretty late. So, 
I mean, you're not getting the first. I guarantee that people who are looking to buy will give at most a lit second, like like a like the two ten. Wow. wow. Yeah, I, I I guarantee that that people are looking to buy opportunistically. I I really cannot see someone because like again, like we're we're having we've talked about a little bit about like how hype this like class is. It's like pulling teeth, dude. Like yeah. like like it's like pulling teeth trying to acquire. Like I'm sure if you offer someone Calvin Ridley for like like a mid first, they would say that they're not getting enough back. <laughs> and 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 I I will guarantee that there are people out there who who believe that earnestly. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just it's just uh, like the 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 hype that this rookie class has come in with is ridiculous and um and it's going to retain that hype for a very long time I think just because everyone is convinced that this is like a the running back class that will save that will save you know your 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 uh rosters or whatever and like you know we were kind of poo-pooed on the 2019 uh rookie class and we were talking a little bit about this in in the road of his slack uh but the wide receivers have been very good yeah yeah so i i I don't know i mean i guess it's, it's interesting right i guess i'm hoping that johnson still has some name value that you know if you offer him for somebody's mid first they're gonna think they are getting an elite talent at a discount because he's been playing hurt maybe and uh you know like you said he does have that he does have that upside he's shown um i think the question is whether he's still still capable of that sort of season or whether he's still got that sort of season in his future and not only you know almost four years ago now I think it'll have to be during the actual rookie draft. I think that that's where you're going to have to make that move because mm-hmm. when people are not just hypothesizing on their picks and they can actually see what the draft board looks like for them, I think that that's where you have to swoop in. It's a good idea. All right, before we move on to the final segment, I want to remind you to become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patronships start at just $6 per month. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners. Sign up at patreon.com slash rotovizradio. Uh, I also want to remind you that you can get a listener's only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and tools, and it supports the pod. Plus, for a limited time only, we're offering a two-year RV Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel for the 2019 season and uh, you know into the off season. We're going to keep that going. So yeah, get 10% off a two-year subscription and you get unlimited access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel. All you have to do is head to rotoviz.com slash podcast, sign up via the two-year RV radio subscription, and we'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, moving on to news item number three. Deontay Johnson caught six of eight targets for 60 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' Week 14 win over the Cardinals. Given the Steelers' current quarterback play, Johnson has quietly had a pretty positive rookie season so what are your expectations for johnson and uh the rest of the steelers receivers for the remainder of this season and beyond yeah i'm not so sure what to make of the actual current current play right like it's 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 difficult to tell because this is a team that um 
is more interesting in winning by the skin of the teeth than actually, you know, getting into shootouts. Like, like Hodges only threw the ball 19 times. Um, they ran the ball 35 times. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, like that ridic- that's a ridiculous <laughs> pass run split. Like, Kareth White got some run. Benny Snell got some run. Uh, Deontay Johnson had a carry. Jalen Samuels got a handful of carries. Jalen Samuels confirmed... Trending towards dust, probably confirmed dust, um, if we're being honest here. Uh, but, um, I mean, this, so this is a team that has... It'll be interesting to see what happens when they force in a negative script. And I don't think they really are going to be. I think they're really just trying and praying to make the playoffs and just get bounced in the first round because they did trade away their first rounder to Miami for Minka Fitzpatrick. They now have a two-game gap over the Browns, and they host the Bills next week, and they uh, play for New York, and then they're probably going to get smashed by the Ravens in Week 17. That's probably going to be dead anyway but if they both have made the playoffs. So I'm probably going to throw this back to you and talk about this for next year because we were talking again about this in the Road of the Slack, and it was uh, brought up because uh, John Lipinski mentioned that he's going to have a lot of Deontay next next year. Does Deontay Johnson fit the, prof- like the profile of a breakout wide receiver in the second year um i think so i'd have to look more carefully into it after this game but i mean he was you know a surprise kind of third round pick he did declare early um so that's all stuff we like and he's having a pretty good rookie season so i think he's a really good um second year breakout candidate I mean, part of the problem, we kind of talked about this on the in the Slack channel, is that there are just so many really intriguing second-year breakout candidates uh, in this, you know, in this current rookie class, and uh, obviously they can't all break out. So you kind of, you either have to, I don't know, get exposure to all of them or kind of uh, take a stance somewhere. Um, if I'm taking stances, I don't know that Deontay Johnson would be really near the top of my list and maybe I only say that because I'm expecting uh Juju to come back and have kind of a bounce back season I mean I think you know as good as Hodges has been assuming Roethlisberger doesn't retire um I would assume they'd go back to him and we would see more of the Roethlisberger Juju connection in 2020 so um yeah I'm not positive that between Juju and James Washington that uh, Deontay Johnson has the the path to the sort of work you want to see for a second year breakout but uh, I'm definitely optimistic about his future it's just more a matter of kind of picking picking your spots with these second year breakouts since there are so many so many guys that uh, I think make for really intriguing options um, I guess yeah to kind of send it back to you if you uh, if you were going to redo the sort of the the rookie drafts now or redo your rookie wide receiver rankings, where would you put Johnson? Would he be in like your top top five, top ten? Maybe not that high. I'm going to have to quickly uh, refresh myself here a little bit on the Dynasty rookie ADP because this is uh, actually a pretty fun exercise if only because we're heading into that time of the year. Um and uh, thanks to Mike Pierce for this tremendous app suite. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the kind of like narrative stories you can tell yourself when you're not really looking at the hard data, right? Like, uh, let so. me maybe let me maybe ask it a different way. Would you have? Um, sorry, let me 
pull this up. Would you? So I'm just yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So you know, yeah, just right. looking at um, the rookie draft ADP, you had let's see where Deontay went. I believe. Oh man, he went fairly late by the looks yeah. of it. So it looks like Deontay Johnson went at the 212, uh, and this is in one QB leagues, and he went behind. And here's going to be a lot of fun. Hakeem <laughs> Butler, right? <laughs> Devin Singletary, JJ Sega Whiteside. Andy Isabella, Damian Harris, Justice Hill, Irv Smith, Alexander Madison. I want literally n- probably none of those guys. Like, huh. just like maybe J Jaw, but like, and maybe Singletary. I definitely, but I yeah. have no interest in, I, in, in like, I mean, most of those guys, like all those like running backs are just, bleh, who yeah. cares? Yeah, for sure. I definitely like Singletary and would probably rank him ahead of, uh, ahead of Deontay Johnson. Yes. Um, there are a couple guys who are kind of interesting who maybe weren't getting as much buzz at this time last year, but like Debo Samuel is someone who has looked pretty good in San Francisco. Where would you have him in relation to Deontay? Right. I mean, I have him higher, like without a doubt. Like I am, I'm still expecting, um, that our guy, um, Juju is going to be the guy, um, for, for Pittsburgh next year. I mean, when you're looking at this, and I'm looking at the MFL ADP, not the FFPC ADP, like both DJ Hawkinson, like I mean, DJ Hawkinson at 106 is is ridiculous for for just a, a, a tight end going that high. I would probably rank all like a lot of these wide receivers ahead of him there. Um, yeah. No font went ahead of all of them. I'd probably take I'd probably take Debo, McCall, Marquise Brown, Devin Singletary, uh, and Deontay ahead of those guys comfortably. Like not an issue for me. Um, I'd also put McLaurin up there. McLaurin actually went mm. later. Like M- M- McLaurin went after Calvin Harmon. Yeah. So so uh, you know so here's and that that puts him I guess by the looks of it middle of the third round. He went after Miles Miles Boykin. So just no interest in him either. I have no interest in Jay Sternberger or Calvin Harmon or any of these guys who are listed ahead of ahead of Terry McLaurin. Benny Snell went far too late. Where would you rank him? Out of curiosity now. Uh, Deontay. No, uh, Benny Snell and Deontay. Where would you take them? Oh, but um, those two guys. Uh, I mean, I would probably have Deontay higher than Snell at this point. But yeah, that's tricky. Uh, yeah, I think Snell has looked pretty good. I've been I've been pretty impressed with. I mean, not only how much work they've been giving him in the rushing game, uh, with with Connor out, but um, I mean, he hasn't been bad, and he was someone who I was always higher on than uh, a lot of other people were. So I kind of feel <laughs> like um, I have to still sort of represent for Benny Snell. But yeah, that's tricky. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to move Snell up above of a lot of the other rookie running backs who I liked better coming out and who haven't necessarily had the same opportunity he has. Like I still would. I think rather have Justice Hill. Uh, I still would probably rather have Daryl Henderson. So, yeah, I, that's tricky. I mean, I think some of this is just a kind of damning from from the wide receiver perspective. Like, just um, like would you? Okay, let's reframe the question. Let's go back to Paris Campbell, right? Uh-huh. Where would you rank him in relation to Debo Samuel, Michael Harbin, Marquise Brown, uh, and? Deontay and uh, Terry McLaurin, like yeah, I'd take all those guys ahead of him. So I'm just curious where you would put him. You'd take all those guys ahead of Paris Campbell. 
Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Like, I would probably just not consider, like, Paris Campbell at all. Like, I, I thought he was kind of a little overdrafted at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and like, like, he's just basically, like, a version of Mikol Hardman who failed to fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I like I don't know what to do like 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 so like these are guys like I would consider all of them ahead ahead of uh, ahead of Paris Campbell which probably pushes Campbell down to like the late second early third. Yeah, I probably would too. I mean, I wasn't drafting Campbell before, and nothing he's really or I wasn't drafting him in rookie drafts, and nothing he's really done so far this season has given me a reason to think that uh, he should be moved up. I mean, Debo Samuel was kind of in the same. Uh, boat for me as Paris Campbell is somebody that a lot of people liked and I was never really on board, but he has actually had a pretty good rookie season. So he's someone I've had to sort of adjust my take on and would be, would be uh, moving him way up. But Campbell, I don't think is, has done, has really done anything to change my mind yet, but we'll see. I mean, especially he had the opportunity in this, in this last game and didn't, didn't do anything with it. So yeah, I'm not, Still not that interested in Campbell, so I think I would agree with you. Well, I mean, just to bring it back to our prospect eval stuff, like we kind of went back and forth on on Debo. Like uh, I mentioned to you that he came so close to breaking out as a sophomore mm-hmm. that we should have just counted him as a sophomore breakout. Like I think that when you're like, you know, that close to the threshold, you're probably better off. Right. presenting them as an actual breakout because like the actual raw number perspective doesn't really matter like you don't have to hit our threshold like just being in the ballpark i think makes you a contender for for being good because with with debo's prospect profile like he suffered a broken leg in his junior year and it forced him to come back for his senior year i was convinced that he was going to declare early yeah had he had he not gotten hurt so he you know so from a depending on how you looked at the numbers like the raw numbers like you could have said well this was a sophomore breakout or you could say he stayed for a senior year like it was very subjective which is where i think it gets a little tricky with with a guy like debo right but right it was you all baked yeah. into his draft capital and and where where he was drafted rookie draft so right that's a good point and it's something that we kind of have seen with uh i mean even this year you know you know both say dk metcalf and aj brown were kind of um didn't have the best market share numbers. And uh, I think especially with Metcalf, that probably moved him down some people's boards. You can say the same with like Landry and Beckham. And I guess Samuel is playing with Brian Edwards a lot of the time, who also a lot of people are really excited about, but also didn't have, you know, a true breakout season and has never really reached until maybe this season, never reached the market share numbers we're looking for. But I mean, I think, in cases like that, these guys who don't have the numbers are actually maybe a little bit better than uh, than we than we think or than the numbers say. So yeah, that's an interesting point on Debo. It's definitely yeah, but we're, worth worth taking in that that sort of context and the injury the injury context into into account. This is all laid out in the profile that we did write, though. So that's that's good. People <laughs> can go back and and, and take a look at it because it was a fairly lengthy one. Because yeah, of, you know, just how to, how we, pro- I mean, DK Metcalf was just a non-starter at 105 for me, I think. I took him at like 109 in one league, but like at 105 at, like ahead of AJ Brown, that's just a non-starter. Like mm-hmm. AJ Brown is like leaps and bounds, clearly the superior player. Yeah. Yeah. You like, still prefer like, AJ Brown. 
Oh yeah, leaps and bounds. Like it's just it's just not even a contest. I mean, like people can say it is, but I I gen- like if you say it is, like I'm just gonna tune you out because there's just you have nothing. Like there's not there's I I don't know how you can justify that at this point. Like from a prospect profile pers- perspective, and also from their actual NFL like production perspective. Like I just don't I can't see how you're squaring that circle. And I and I and frankly I don't I don't I don't want to know how how you're squaring that circle. Like, I just don't think that you <laughs> that is worth my time to learn to learn what what mental gymnastics you needed to do to get you to to still believe that DK Metcalf is a superior to to AJ Brown. Like I just don't care. I mean, have you seen his muscles though? Yeah, uh, I do. I I see them as they uh, as he fails to 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 corral in drop, these like as he drops lasers right? from. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just what I what, what where, where I see him. It's, it's it's pretty marvelous. It's like what if uh what if a Greek god was dropping touchdowns from Russell Wilson? That this is what we get. <laughs> and that's not to say I don't like DK Metcalf. I just think that again, this is a, a situation where people um got way too uh, emotional, and even I sound emotional right now. But they <laughs> want they wanted DK Metcalf to really be this uh, uh guy who was. The reason that AJ Brown was not good, like it was like a very binary take to where I saw I saw film rankers rank uh, the third wheel in that offense. Who uh, I forget what his name is now. Demarcus uh, Lodge. Yeah, him. They were ranking him ahead of AJ Brown. So it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like that's just like 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 that is like the pinnacle of 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 draft. Twitter right there is just where like you just want your point to be so much bigger so you just take the absolute dumbest route to make your point yeah uh, we've rambled on this a long time but it's an interesting conversation so um, I want to ask where where you would have Metcalf now in relation to Nikhil Harry uh, man that's a tough one I really think if we're going to have to bump Nikhil Harry down like he just doesn't like, it's not like so I know Nikhil Harry has suffered from injuries and he hasn't seen enough playing time with Brady especially but at the same time he's not like he's made a handful of plays but he's not really like like he made that one really ridiculously good catch in the rain Uh, but he didn't really do much in a a, a, you know a few weeks ago and he's really kind of been more of a rotational guy which either speaks to his lack of development in the NFL or speaks to his lack of chemistry with Brady I would be if I had to redraft all these guys I would be considering Harry at the back um, of most of them, I do still believe Harry is a good wide receiver, um, but I genuinely cannot see um, like an argument to where I need to be taking Harry like right now. Like he'd unfortunately have to slide behind a lot of these guys who we've seen some NFL um, brilliance from. And a- again, at the same time, there's guys on this list that are, in my opinion, going to be re- remain perennially undervalued. I don't and uh, with uh, with. Um, Harry, I do not think that he's a guy who you're going to be able to just pry away. I, as someone who, uh, you know, drafted Harry fairly high, he's someone who I am going to want that like max dollar to to actually trade him. And so it's really, in my opinion, it's not really worth your time trying to figure out a way to steal Harry. If you really are a believer in him, you're going to have to just pay up and then hope you're right, which is not something that I typically tend to do. What about yourself? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's tough. I agree with that. I mean, I'm holding, I'm holding on to him wherever I own him, and I'm not, not aggressively trying to target him necessarily. Although he's definitely the sort of player who could kind of, I mean, it wouldn't really be coming out of nowhere like DJ Chark did this season, but just sort of a, you know, a guy that we forget about for, after a poor 
rookie season, even though he has the draft capital and a lot of uh, a lot of good aspects to his profile to make him attractive. So, I mean, he's he's not going to be flying under the radar. So he's not going to be really cheap to acquire. But I think there's an argument to be made for trying to get him at a discount after this really kind of bad rookie season. Yeah, and that's that. But that's where it gets tough, right? Like if you're yeah. if you're dealing with someone who, like I purposely drafted him on on teams that I'm fairly solid at running back ahead of all the other guys. Yeah, you know, like no one, no one was, uh, and this is like you know where a lot of people are quick to say, well, just trade down. Well, yeah, it's impossible to trade down in in these in these drafts if no one's letting you trade down. Yeah, there's a very right. different story there. Like if <laughs> if everybody in your draft is is equally is equally sharp, and they're just like, no, you just have to make a decision now. Like we're forcing you to take the gun to your head. Like it's just not you just have to swallow it. Then that's just how it goes. And so I, I you know I was trying to trade down. I figured I could still get Harry, but no one was letting me trade down. So I took Harry where I took him. So and honestly, no regrets because I am still fairly optimistic on his outlook going forward. So you know I'd love it for him to have a DJ Chark esque breakout. Yeah, Austin Eckler rushed eight times for 101 yards in the Chargers' Week 14 win over the Jaguars, and he uh, added four receptions for 112 additional yards and a touchdown. You know, I mean, Eckler was brilliant for this afternoon. He ripped off 27, 23, and 35-yard runs in his first three carries, and he took a screen yard, a screen pass for 84 yards to the house uh, after he lined up as a wide receiver. You know, what are your expectations for this Melgo-Eckler split going forward? And, like, you know, what are your... You know, does this have any dynasty implications for you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eckler has been the better pass catcher in this backfield the whole season. I mean, is it possible he's just been the better running back? Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it is he going to potentially marginalize Melgo if Gordon? You know, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there are questions I think about whether Gordon is even going to be a charger next season. So, um, yeah, this definitely has implications. I'm a big Eckler fan and, uh, unfortunately, you know, don't own him in enough, in enough dynasty leagues. And now he's going to be really, really hard to acquire. But, um, I think that you could probably try and make offers for someone who thinks they're selling high after this game and this season, you know, someone thinking that Gordon is still, the back to own there. I mean, I'm not sure that's true. I'm you know, the way we've seen this sort of split out. Eckler's getting the more valuable work from a fantasy perspective and has been just incredibly efficient with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're asking like in dynasty, would I draft Eckler ahead of Melvin Gordon? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I just want to push back because like, you know, Melvin Gordon also had five targets. I think the difference is like, I think this is more of a, you can see that Eckler is more of the lightning to like Melvin Gordon's Hunter, which is kind of you know a poor way to put it. <laughs> um, but like you know, Melgo also catches the ball. Like he had five targets and he caught five of them. And we've seen Melgo rip off like long runs as well, right? Like like this was just uh, an afternoon where Eckler was the more efficient back to own. He was, uh, I mean, people are forgetting, but like earlier this off season, I mean, it's earlier this in season, like he was not all that great as uh, you know between the between the tackles, which is fine. But, you know, he really is electric when you're targeting him in the receiving game. So, 
Um, I, I just gonna you know throw this out there. Like, do you think that the the Chargers like they're probably able to sign away like signed Melvin Gordon to a longer term contract now that given his play, they'd probably be able to get him cheaper than where they thought they would have last off season, and they just sign him up like for longer. Oh, I doubt it. I mean, there are enough teams that think that they really need a running back like that, or probably think that Melvin Gordon could you know be the piece that pushes them over the edge i think he's gonna he's gonna get a big offer from another team this offseason so i, I kind of doubt that man like i i, yeah. I just think that like that like there's just no team that's gonna be like yeah melvin gordon like i just cannot see a team being like melvin gordon was the reason they won like i it... yeah um, well i mean i don't know i mean nfl teams do a lot of irrational things so uh, yeah <laughs> yeah we never know but so do <laughs> dynasty owners because 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 we were trying to trade away austin eckler at the start of the season when melvin gordon didn't return and we wanted christian kirk in exchange i think you remember that we were told uh-huh. that the values are not even close yeah and then we tried again that exact same trade especially after eckler was smashing yeah and we were also told not even close yeah what do you think now buddy yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, do, do, do we make the same offer again? Um, or are maybe, you a little bit off of Christian Kirk? Yeah, I'm not off of Christian Kirk, but now I think we could get a lot more for Eckler. <laughs> I think so too. I, yeah. I do think so. I am also coming around to the fact that maybe he uh, Christian Kirk might be. It's inter- it'll be interesting to see who the Arizona Cardinals target in the draft, or will target via free agency to bring in. Yeah, because uh, I think that that's a, a different you know topic for a different day because we have rambled on a lot, but I'm down to talk if you are. Yeah, that uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm still definitely a, a Kirk fan. Um, I mean, obviously, this Arizona offense is going through. There was bound to be sort of a transitional period with a new quarterback and a new head coach. So I think maybe uh you know year two you see kyler take a big step forward you maybe see them get more comfortable running this offense with kingsbury so i can see christian kirk having a really huge 2020 for sure yeah i'm i'm i mean i just like you i'm very optimistic uh about it um um, I'm hopeful uh, here, but I, I think as far as Eckler goes, like I, I don't know if you want to try shopping him this off season or or what. But like, what would you be looking for in exchange for him? Ooh, uh, hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I, <laughs> I I I really think that that you're better off just holding because I don't think people are ever gonna be giving you back in exchange the kind of value that you'll get from just holding and playing Eckler. Yeah, Especially I mean, if, you're, if I'm if you're being awesome. honest, Eckler is the sort of running back who, you know, he has this kind of breakout season. I think he's going to he's going to end the season as the running back. Well, so far he's on pace to end as the running back 3, right? Um I don't know, could you trade him for an early first? Uh plus? Definitely not. No. No, man. Like I I'm, I'm I'm telling you right now, the way people are talking about this upcoming rookie class is that these are all the running backs are declaring are going to be Saquon Barkley. <laughs> like there is just, there's absolutely no, like we're going to soon get into the prospect eval phase, but, but I'm telling you right now, like, like we're, we're at, at a precipice where every wide receiver is Holy Jones 2.0 and, 
and every running back is Saquon Barkley. And this is like goes beyond the pale for like what we've seen in historical rookie rookie draft classes past. Yeah. So just we've you know kind of, prepare. Yeah, I mean we've kind of seen this before with that season that Danny Woodhead had for the Chargers a while ago, where he was the I think it was running back three also in that season. Yep just totally on the basis of his receiving workload, which is kind of how Eckler's doing it on the basis of receiving efficiency, especially. So I think trying to flip him in the off season is a really good idea. And um, I'd be hoping to get at least a first. You'd kind of want what people were giving up for Tariq Cohen or a little bit more than that, right? More than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's kind of the thing because like James White, people are kind of fatigued on, but I think, I think really the what you're looking for here is um something like Tariqo and plus value because that's it's as we saw this year it's very difficult to sustain only receiving receiving volume mm-hmm. all right that'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on apple podcasts and subscribe to our patreon for hassan rahim i'm blair andrews thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.